I think the thing that mistake that I see with events is that we kind of run them to kind of make the money from the event. Yes. Which is okay. Again, if that's the outcome you want, all right? Or am I doing the event to then drive my customer to the next logical step in my process, whether yeah. it be a call or a sale or a product or another event or a, or something? You know, what is the purpose of the event and how does that map into my customer process? Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. It's time for you to increase your influence, grow your business, and scale to freedom. Now, let's enter the lab with your host, Samantha Riley. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, joined by the lovely Tim Hyde. Tim, I love hanging out with you here on Thursday. Yeah, but only when it's got coffee involved. <laughs> How I'm are feeling, you today? I'm feeling the love right now, to be honest. Oh, I'm going to have to wear that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, you will. No, talk to the hand. <laughs> <laughs> I truly no, look, I'm, am I'm, uh, happy to be with you here today. I'm, uh, I'm doing great. Actually, I'm, I'm doing really well. I managed to pass one over on my son last night, as we were talking about just off air. We made up butter chicken last night, but substituted the chicken the tofu. We're just trying a bit of an experiment. My wife, as many of our listeners know, um, has quite severe anaphylaxis and we're trying to biohack her by trying out a bit of a plant-based diet for the next couple of weeks just to see how that goes. And mind you, you know, with bacon because I, I can't give that up. Anyway, so we tried it last night and then he came back out last night for seconds and commented on how nice the chicken was. And I'm absolutely flabbergasted. Like, I'm a teenager not picking this up. I take my hat off to you and Penny. You've done well. (laughs) It's all in the sauce. Oh, uh, no, it was good. No, it, the, like, things are going really well. Coming into the calendar year, which is super exciting. So I know for many coaches and consultants, this is a time where we want to sort of start to reaching out to our clients and saying, hey, what are your plans for 2020? How can we help you do that? Can we get some work underway right now? And if you're not doing that, you certainly should be. Certainly for me, Sam, November and December yep. are the busiest times of year for me. Absolutely. And January tends to be super quiet. I think we need to kind of be really cognizant of what we're doing in our business right now both from a planning perspective, but also in our own business, but also looking at what are we doing for clients coming in and, you know, the kicking off projects or planning projects into next year with those clients. Mm, totally. I was just speaking to a couple of people who were going to put off some of their new ideas until next year. And I said, don't do it. November and December are perfect times for you to be launching this product I would actually do the opposite. I would speed it up and I would get it out there in the next couple of weeks. And he was super grateful that I'd given him that insight and he'll be launching his product in the next couple of weeks rather than waiting till next year. Especially in Australia, we've got summer in January. You know, there's nothing happening. The kids don't go back to school till February. And it takes a little bit of time to get going. And before you know it, it's Easter. And you've already lost the first yeah. half of the year. That's right. Yeah. You know, you really got to look at what's the runway? What's the lead time to get these new projects? And running and your competitors are doing it now and that's yeah. thing, right your competitors are launching that stuff now you should be looking at your own business in the same way what can i do now that i can kick into next year and it's all the planning's done all the implementation's done i just have to flick the switch mm. and get back to work and if you're waiting till mid-January to start your planning process and then you've got that little bit of time and depending on how quickly you implement, but some really big projects might take four, five, six weeks to kind of implement. Let's face it, they always take longer than you expect. <clears throat> they always take longer <laughs> and now you're sort of starting to talk March before you get to your promotion phase. And then, as you said, now you're looking at Easter before you sort of get something up and live. And, and we know 
kind of at that time of the year, we're immediately starting to get into, certainly in Australia, Anzac Day and Easter and oh, April as but well. Oh, April, the holidays. <laughs> which disrupts things again. And that's why I think this time of year becomes so critical in gaining that momentum. Absolutely. And I'm always a big believer when everyone's zigging, you should zag. And I think that there is so many people that will have this thought of let's start to slow down. We're heading into Christmas, Christmas parties. Let's start taking some time off. And if you do the complete opposite, you're there, you're ready, you're prepared. And I have done coaching sales for the last 10 years, right up till Christmas Eve. And even through that Christmas New Year, while people are at home and they're taking time out and thinking, oh, I wonder, and they'll just reach out. I always work during this period and it's always served me really well because I'm doing the work when everyone else is taking the time off and then I'll take some time off when there's kind of no one around and everyone's a little bit quieter. Last week we talked about how to get speaking gigs and today we're going to take that to sort of the next step or the next stage and talk about running your own events and running your own workshops, how to do that, why you'd want to do that and dig in. Absolutely. Okay. Actually, I just want to throw this out before I do. And we talked a lot about sort of conversations on LinkedIn, on, on Facebook, on social media and those sorts of things. Yesterday, I tried something a little bit different. I generally talk about stuff in my niche, right? So I'll talk about automation. I'll talk about CRM a lot. I'll talk more broadly into sort of marketing and business growth. Yesterday, I threw out a post about anaphylaxis, which was really interesting. And just to see the different types of engagement that I picked up from that post. And if I pull it up, and we, I think we had well over 1,000 views, 51 likes, and 37 comments just yesterday on that post. And the number of people who reached out to me, not just through comments, but privately as well, and said, thanks for bringing that to our attention or I know someone is in that position, but this conversation doesn't go on. It was really quite touching and moving for me. Interesting in that it's okay to kind of get out of your niche occasionally and talk on a social issue that I think is important too, because you connect to people in very different ways. Absolutely. And I think that it shows your values, what you stand for. It pulls back the curtain and shows what you're like as a person behind the business. And that's really important because people connect with us as a person over a brand name or a logo. Yeah. yeah. Ticks the boxes, doesn't it? Absolutely. Good pickup. And I did something very similar last week and I would actually really sort of put out the challenge that everyone tries this a couple of times in the next couple of weeks in how to weave a piece of content in a very different way because I was having a call with someone the other day who said, oh, I didn't know you had children. And I said, yeah, I've got three children. And we sort of had this conversation and he said, oh, I assumed that you'd never had to work around having kids before and that's how you've been able to have so many businesses. And I thought... It's only because you're in your early 20s, Sam. (laughs) Guess what? They're still alive. I still spend time with them. (laughs) But I found that interesting. So I weaved a piece of content in a very different way, talking about my favourite children's book because I was able to weave the learnings of that children's book, how can it be applied to business principles, but also meant I could talk about the fact that I have children. So I think we're talking about content in a little different way to what you just spoke about. It is always a good idea to think a little bit outside the box when you're creating your content so people do get to know you in a different way. What is your favourite children's book? Love You Forever. And I wrote a big post about why my son always asked me to read it. And I'll give you the heads up. It's because he used to laugh at me because I used to cry every time. When the the grandma died, I always used to cry. And he's like, "Ah, I love it when you do that, (laughs) mum. Awesome. 
All right, let's get into today's topic. Now, Absolutely. As you mentioned, we were talking about what sort of events should you run if you're running your own. Obviously, the, the holy grail is to get on other people's events. But I think the first tip that we kind of need to look at is when we're doing anything in marketing in general, but events as well, is actually kind of work backwards and kind of look at what's the outcome that you want from the event Absolutely. or anything else. Yeah, reverse engineering. Why are we actually putting this event on? What is our ideal client wanting? Even reverse engineering, I guess, what is it that our product is or our program is? What is it that we're selling and working backwards? Who's that ideal client and what is it that they want and how can we best serve them to lay the breadcrumbs to get them to come and buy something from us? Yeah, it's sort of almost mapping the two things together. And if they're not aligned, what does your customer want to learn from this event that solves a pain problem for them and again helps them in their customer journey mm. and what is the thing that you're doing and i think the thing that mistake that i see with events is that we kind of run them to kind of make the money from the event yes okay again if that's the outcome you want all right or am i doing the event to then drive my customer to the next logical step in my process whether yeah. it be a call or a sale or a product or another event or a or something, you know, what is the purpose of the event and how does that map into my customer process? Because if the two aren't aligned, it just doesn't work, does it? No, it does not. And I just want to touch very quickly, you said about making money from the event. It is near impossible to do that these days because there are so many events around, just so many different reasons that it would be a whole episode on its own. But I would actually, if you're thinking about running events, I would put that one aside and not think about making money from the event I mean, yes, we definitely want to cover costs. We definitely want to make sure our marketing's paid for, the venue, you know, all of the extra bits and pieces. That's not what I'm saying. But think about what is it that you want to do from the back end of your event. And I mean the sales that you're doing off the back of that event. That's where you really want to focus. And that's probably where you really make the real money, isn't it? Correct. You don't want to be running a $50,000 event and making nothing from it. Yes. And then hoping that the sales cover the 50000 You want to kind of at least plan your event to cover the costs of running it. Mm-hmm. And then the gravy you know, comes when you then reconnect with those clients and or even position yourself in the market as well. Absolutely. Well, it means that you're more visible. People are seeing you more. If you've got a whole marketing campaign around the event itself, it creates a lot of buzz, a lot of hype, a lot of visibility. There's so many different reasons here that you would want to run an event. So let's just quickly talk about the different types of events that you can run because I think that this is an important place to start. A lot of people talk about meetups. At the moment, I feel like people are saying that meetups are the holy grail of events. They can be great and I've definitely run meetups to meet my community or the tribe that I've built. I've done it through my Facebook group a few times where we've met and done certain things. But if you're trying to position yourself as the expert and impart your knowledge or your thought leadership, then I think that a half-day workshop or a full-day workshop or a two-day workshop are a much better ROI than just a two-hour meetup. Catch up. You can see the way that you roll your eyes when you say meetup, that you're such a fan of them. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, if I did roll my eyes, I didn't mean to. I was probably more thinking rather than rolling my eyes. But I think the mentality when someone goes to a meetup is I'm going to go and hand out my business card for two hours and meet some new people. Yeah, it's more so, a networky kind of thing rather yeah. than a facilitated, you know, presented to audience. Yes. Kind of thing, isn't it? 
Yes, and you're going to attract a, a very different type of person to that event. Again, it depends what your product or your program is. If it is around community building, then meetups are fantastic. I guess even in health or something down that wellness path, yeah, could possibly work. I still would prefer to see someone run a workshop that provides or positions them as the expert where they are actually sharing their knowledge with the audience rather than catching up for a coffee or a glass of wine. Yeah, so meet up, glass of wine, a little bit more informal, everyone sort of mingles and chats. Not to say there isn't an opportunity to present, but you're probably not doing an hour and a half presentation. No, I'm sure you've presented at a lot of networking events or meetups or those types of things. And Every week. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you do. And they are a great way to meet people. You go, you do a 10-minute presentation, a great way to practice speaking in front of a group. Generally, they're not taking notes. They're standing around. They're generally, I know at BX, you know, you're seated and you're having a meal, but at a networking group, the people are generally listening while they're standing up. They're not really too focused. They don't want to be standing still for too long. It is a great way to get your message heard and a great way to get started. But as soon as you want to take your speaking to the next level or really start to share your thought leadership in a deeper way, then you will need to move out of that space. Yep. So events, the kind of options we've really got. I think the reality is you can structure it any way you want to. Absolutely. All right. But we're really looking no at kind of like two to three hour. Mm-hmm. Right, so a half day thing, a full day thing, which may yes. or may not come be exactly finish at 5pm and might sort of knock yep. off at 3.30, maybe three 90-minute sessions. Yep. A two-day event, again, with a small group or a large group. Right, and that's probably really what we're talking. I don't think we're going to run too many three-day events. Or three well, day I'm going to be trialling my first <clears throat> three-day event next year for a specific reason. So when we get to the other side of next year, I'll let you know whether it's worked or not. But I have been led to believe that a one-day or a three-day is better than a two-day. But okay. I'll have to let Interesting. you know. <laughs> Interesting. Because I must admit, I've been to some three-day events and I usually find by lunchtime on the third day, my Check brain out. is absorbed as much as it's going to absorb. Yeah. It sort of loses any impact after three days. But I think you'll try them and see what's different. I think the other thing we need to look at when we look at the event size is whether we're running small workshops or boardrooms. Yes. Where there might be a bit of interaction sort of going on, whether we're doing theatrette style, where there's you presenting to 30 plus, or whether you're doing a kind of amphitheatre thing where you're trying to run a 200, 300 thousand person event you're the only speaker on stage or whether you've got lots of speakers on stage and collaborating yeah i know we've got one coming up very soon sam in sydney with our good friend scott bywater yeah and we've got 15 to 20 people in the room that's more of a mastermindy panel kind of thing isn't it yeah absolutely when you're thinking about how you want to run this event think about the kind of topic that you are talking about as well the two events that i very first started when i was in the coaching space one of them was more around success and mindset I did that as a two-hour, once a month, we would catch up at breakfast because we used to sit at breakfast around the table and we used to chat as a group. I did another one that was more specifically around health and wellness and I did that as a two-hour evening after dinner and we used to meet for dinner, anyone that wanted to meet us for dinner beforehand and then we would get drinks and we would go upstairs and I would run that as a presentation style for two hours. I thought a lot about the kind of information that I was delivering and the best way that the group 
would be able to take that information. So that's another really important thing to think about as well. So what you're saying is to do that sort of thing, you really need to be a little bit three sheets to the wind with a couple of drinks under your belt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we ran a health and wellness workshop that everyone would come in with a glass of wine. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What's life if it's not fun, hey? But it is. like, And I think that this sort of style event also then dictates the runway in putting it together, doesn't it? So if you're running a a 200-person-plus kind of amphitheatre event with lots of speakers... There's a lot of logistics that go into that. If you're trying to do that by yourself, that's probably not really the best part to go because you do need a team of people to support everyone and ticket sales and organised speakers and catering and all that other sort of stuff. You could quite easily do a sort of small boardroom with maybe 10 to 20, which I know you do quite a lot of, at relatively low cost, maybe a bit of catering and a room hire on relatively short notice. And I have been able to pull them together even on four weeks' notice because they are so quick. As long as you've got a room, because I've run them so much, I know the format. They're very quick and easy to run. Don't have much logistics where if you're running a multi-speaker conference that's two or three days, that can be a six month or even more either side of that event of planning and getting speakers, venues, catering and dinner venues. And the team that needs to go together to put those events are huge. I'm a big fan of boardroom events. I like them. And I think they're a really nice vibe to have that smaller kind of group. Again, every event has its own reason, but I do love boardroom events. Yeah, certainly the one I'm going to be doing a lot more of next year not to say that i'm not speaking at much bigger events as well but i'm gonna in one of my plans next year is to sort of put in a boardroom style event you know every two months totally one of my clients that we're working with he's starting to do that or the plan is that he'll be doing one every month because they're just quite an easy thing to fill and roll out and just keep going all right once we've actually got our event what are some of the mistakes that you see from being in the audience, Tim. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? It's a good question to ask um, because we've all been to events. Some of us had the opportunity to crew other big events as well and you can sort of learn from behind the scenes and it's a great way to learn about what works mm-hmm. and what doesn't work in events. I think the things that I see, the mistakes that people make, right, and it's good to have these in your mind, is that there's too much. We kind of, I think, again, this is a thing that we forget. We know so much more about our area of expertise than our audience is that we think we need to cram all the value and teach them everything we've learned over 20 years into two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just doesn't work. Right? No. It's like spraying your audience with a fire hose of knowledge. And when you're being hit in the face with the fire hose, you're not taking a lot in because you're more like pushing back and gasping for air. I think that the biggest piece here is when you're planning your event, mm. this is definitely more. And we kind of need to keep that in mind as well. You know, less is more, break it up as well, okay? So second one, less is more, break it up with activities and interaction. A lot of us have been to uni at some point or another and kind of regret that life choice. (laughs) (laughs) And some of us didn't even go there. (laughs) Okay, but again, if you, you know, if you go back back to your lectures and the things you've been, if someone's just standing at the front of the room, not changing the tonality, not moving around, reading from PowerPoint and just hammering you with the information over and over and over again, you kind of zone out very quickly. And so you do need to kind of break it up with activities and interaction and kind of feedback from the audience just to say, okay, look, we've covered that. 
I mean, what did you learn from this thing? What's your big takeaway? Because getting that interaction actually reinforces the learning, but also allows people to kind of digest, gives people that moment to digest what you said and get some context around it. And the same a couple of weeks about sales, you know, you want to kind of create that gap where people are making the decision for them to actually digest what you've said. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as you're sitting there listening to people talk, even though you could be thinking, wow, that was good, that was good, that was good. If we don't go back and cement those learnings or go back and reflect, we don't even realize how much we've learned. So from a facilitator's perspective or a presenter's perspective, this is really imperative to make sure that the people that are there in the audience are really noticing how much value you're giving them and it also helps them to understand how to apply what they've just learned. You know, it'll start to get the creative juices flowing a little bit. Yeah, we should make the distinction that a workshop format is different from a stage presentation. Absolutely. Because we're not doing that when we do a stage presentation, which is a bit of theatre, right? A workshop is like almost going back to what we learned in science (laughs) at high school. (laughs) What are we going to learn? Let's do the thing. What did we learn? Yeah, I like the way you framed that. It's actually coming back to that methodology. Yeah. Tell them what you're going to tell them. (laughs) Tell them. Tell them what you told them. (laughs) There we go. Another big mistake that I see is people not sticking to the timing of the day, going through breaks or going over time. It's a mistake that I see people making that think that their content is so great that everyone wants to sit and they don't mind going through a two-hour break to keep listening. But (laughs) it doesn't matter how interesting your content is. If I need to go to the bathroom and I want a cup of coffee and something to eat, then that's what I want. And also as a participant, for me, I get just as much value from talking to the other people that are at the event as well. So you want to give, make sure that your participants are building that community because that's just as important as them learning your content. So make sure that you start on time, you finish on time and you give breaks at the time that you said you were going to give the breaks. Yeah, get someone in the back of the room going five minutes, two minutes, one minute kind of thing, you know, 15 minutes for you to wrap up. And that's really important because... Just like you do when you deliver a product, you set expectations and you meet those expectations. So for someone to get value from your event, you've got to set the expectations of what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and meet those expectations because your participants are planning around that. Mm. They're glancing at their watch going, I needed to make that phone call at lunchtime. Yes. You know, I've got a text message. I need to get back to that call or send that email or something or I've got to pick up the kids from school. And that's what I was just thinking. If you've got your grandparents or nannies that you need to get messages to, these things are playing in your mind and potentially taking your focus away from what it is that you're doing. So make sure that you stick to your timing. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably about all the mistakes. One of the big questions I think that we need to consider when we're running events is whether we charge for them or not. Yeah, this is a question I get a lot, charge or don't charge. And I think that there's times where you can go either way, but I'm a big fan of charging for an event, even if it's a nominal fee. And let me say, I'm talking specifically about a small workshop here. Okay, so 20 to 50 bucks. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that because you don't want the wrong people in the room, the people that aren't interested in really what you've got to sell, people that aren't potentially not necessarily interested in your topic, the wrong energy. 
I'm a big fan of for a small workshop charging a nominal fee. And sometimes if I've got not a very big lead in time and I'm trying to fill the room as quick as possible, I'll do a two for one ticket or an early bird, but something just to get that micro commitment from the participant to have them showing up with a certain frame of mind as they walk into the room. Yeah, it is a really good qualifier as well, isn't it? Because someone who's paid for a ticket, A, is more likely to attend. Yes. But B, has also, from our perspective, indicated that they value the information that you're about to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And on the flip side, Tim, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it certainly happened to me. I've seen free events and think, oh, I won't bother taking a day out to go to that event because it might just be a waste of my time. I value my time at a certain amount. And if I don't feel I'm going to get a return on investment for that time that I'm putting forward, then I won't bother going. Where at least sometimes if I'm paying for an event, I'm pretty sure I'll get something out of it. So it's just that small mindset shift. Now, if you go to the other end of the spectrum, if you charge too much, it can be a barrier for someone that doesn't really know you who could potentially be a really awesome lead for you not being in the room. You've got to make sure that you get that price point just right. I do think you need to kind of match up your value proposition from your event to the cost. Absolutely. If you're charging, you know, a $250,000 package, don't charge $50 for a ticket because it's not going to match up. So make sure that you've got that matched up. Absolutely. Should you sell in the room? Look, again, I think that this really depends on what the event is and what you're selling. Sometimes I'll get a feel in the room with certain rooms. If I've got a very small room and it's feeling a bit like, "Mm," I will do my sales in follow-up just one-on-one with people. And sometimes I do sell in the room. I don't think there's a right answer or a wrong answer. What I do like though, is if you are going to sell in the room, A, you need to let people know that that's what's going to happen so that they know that it's coming. And the other thing is to give people the option to opt out to maybe if you're going to sell at lunchtime, maybe let people know, I'm going to share what it is that I've got to offer If you don't want to hear that, go to lunch and no hard feelings and just making sure that the people that are in the room are the people that actually want to hear what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be the stereotypical, if you want this, rush to the back of the room. Yeah, get your credit card out now. Uh, (laughs) There's only 10 of them. (laughs) (laughs) There's only 10 left. But we've got Um, 200 order forms. (laughs) (laughs) We only brought five of these things going. You certainly can do that. I'm not a huge fan of that particular type of sale process i'd like to invite people along to say hey look if you're interested in finding out more the team is at the back of the room to answer any questions and we'll stick it and i'll be around during the break blah 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 or as you said you know hey look if you want to find out more about what we can do i'm just going to hold an extra session at lunch break stick around for that if you're not interested that's okay um go and make your calls or get out get some fresh air or whatever you need to do mm. and immediately again you're kind of inviting people to buy from you rather than selling to them Yeah, and there is a distinction there. There is a distinction. I was at an event years ago and it was a, I can't remember if it was either a two-day or a three-day event where the people that took the upsell had a certain colour badge. So your name badge got changed over to a different colour and it got to the end of the whatever the final day was and out of a group of us that I'm going to get somewhere between 30 and 50, there was only two of us that had the old colour name badge but it turned into bullying where everyone on the team oh. is like, well, what, when are you going to change your name badge over to the other colour? 
and it was just awful. It was not cool at all and it didn't sit with my values. So don't do that. I think the other thing there that is really important to remember, regardless of whether you sell in the room or not, is to really nail your follow-up process. And it's probably the most critical part of doing an event. Mm-hmm. If you have no follow-up process, it's a bit like crickets, okay? Yeah. They kind of want some closure to the event, some follow-up. Yes. Right? And that's really important that you build and design that so you know, so that people knows what happens afterwards. Right? Absolutely. Whether that's follow-up and say, hey, did you find value? We'd love to get your feedback. Give us a testimonial or review. I would certainly advocate hiring a um, videographer or a photographer to mm-hmm. come in and shoot your event. Unless you're going to do it as a once-off and never do it again. But pull people out and get little video testimonials. We can use that for you know your marketing for your next one as well absolutely i think that right there tim that if there was a takeaway from this episode you just nailed it the biggest part of running an event is actually the follow-up i mean we need the people in the room but it's not the content you know and that's where people get mostly stuck on what am i going to deliver that bit you're an expert that bit's easy when you really get down to it most of us can speak for three weeks without taking a breath about our topic Trying to come up with two hours worth of content is not an issue. Really, really think about what does that follow-up process look like and make sure you stick to it. Absolutely. Love it. Okay, next week. Next week. We talked about why you would want to do speaking gigs last week and we've talked about the different types of events today. I think it'd be really great to talk about the anatomy of a landing page, which you could use if you were going to run an event, but you could use for your product, your program, even your lead magnet i guess look even your home page on your website is effectively a landing page absolutely and this is your zone of genius tim so i look forward to diving deep with you on that one i must have dust off my skills on this one sam but it's not just the anatomy of a landing page we look at we want to look at the anatomy of a high converting landing page don't we how do i convert my marketing and all that activity that i'm doing that's time and resource intensive into an opportunity and lead, you know, to convert someone to some to that next stage. And that landing page, particularly in digital marketing, and look, even, you know, the crossover between sort of traditional marketing and digital now is that landing page is that transition where we get somebody's details and move them to the next stage in yeah. our customer journey. Absolutely. And it doesn't necessarily matter how pretty it is. And that's what we're going to talk about as well. <laughs> that's very true. Contrary <laughs> to what graphic designers might tell you otherwise. Uh, yes, but graphic designers do pretty graphics and not so good at converting leads. But anyway, <laughs> we need them all. I love my graphic designers. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. We've been talking about how to run events and what sort of events you can run. If you've liked today's episode, we'd love you to share it out. Give us a like or a comment either on samanthariley.global or on iTunes or wherever you found this particular episode, even in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community group on Facebook. Come and join us in there. You'll see this episode and all the others and join a bunch of people. We're also talking about some of these topics ongoing. Absolutely. Um, And on that, if you've got any questions, please ask us because we can't cover off everything in these short little episodes. So if you've got any questions, pop them in the comments and Tim and I would love to get into a conversation with you. Sam, awesome to see you again. Likewise, Tim, have a fabulous day and I'll see you next Thursday. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks everyone for listening. Ciao. Discover how to grow and scale your thought leaders business. Check out samanthariley.global. Head over to Facebook and join a tribe of like-minded entrepreneurs in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community.